just take risks. I had tried different things for a, a long time. So try different things, take some risks. Eventually, if you work hard, something's going to pan out for you that you really enjoy doing. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley, joining us from Maui, Hawaii. Aloha, Kamanzi Constable. Aloha, Jared. And I do have to apologize. You have warned me, and I will stop posting political stuff on Facebook. What I do want to do is talk to our guest today, and that is Travis Scott. So Travis runs the site StuffParentsLike.com, where he provides tools to help parents live happier and richer lives that do not involve political rants on Facebook. There he shares information he learned while being a financial advisor for nearly a decade. He teaches how to earn over a thousand ish selling on Amazon and tips on how to be happier in general. Additionally, he does have a day job. And most importantly, he is a father of four and is coming up on his 10 year anniversary with his wife, Jen. Travis, we love you, man. We are proud to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be with you guys. All right, Travis. So Kamanzi opened up a can. Let's just go there for a minute. <laughs> When's the last time you, you shared something on a political uh, viewpoint on Facebook? I was probably the presidential election a couple of years ago. I think I actually live tweeted it when uh, they were debating and stuff. And after the election, I was totally drained and I said I wasn't going to comment on anything. And then I became friends with Kamanzi and I couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's be honest about this. So two times now, Star of the Dallas listeners, I have got into these big political threads. One of them was 959 comments. And that one actually got my cloud score so high that they sent me a printer yesterday. And then the second one was, was a straight up political one. Now, the first one, all I was doing was sharing a quote from Tony Robbins' book. That's all I simply did was share the quote. And that book was recommended by Travis Scott, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Travis, look what you've done. It's all my fault. <laughs> it's a good book, though. And I do want to say Travis is the real deal. I'm very excited to have him here. He, just as a friend, has helped our family so much with uh, financial stuff. So I'm excited to have him here. <laughs> thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Travis. Sorry we had to take that detour. That's all right. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for being a, a pro. All right. So, Travis, we would not deny you this question. What is the best concert that you have ever been to? <laughs> uh, yeah, you stumped me there. No, I'm just kidding. I don't go to a lot of concerts, but I think the best concert I ever went to was the first concert. And that was Garth Brooks. I remember in junior high. My buddy asked me to go to a concert, and I really didn't even know who Garth Brooks was. But I was like, yeah, why not? It should be fun. And just the experience of walking into the arena for the first time and seeing all those people. And then I remember Garth Brooks. I'm a huge Garth Brooks fan now. I remember how the concert started is there's a guy in the middle of the stage, had his cowboy hat down, started singing. Everybody's going wild. And then all of a sudden, we realized that was not Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks comes out from under the stage, just banging away on a piano. And everybody just went nuts. And it was so cool. So, Travis, there's a little rumor going around that you might be attending a concert on June 3rd. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, I heard Taylor Swift's coming into town in Cleveland and Kamanzi Constable may be making a detour as well. Yeah, quite the detour. You're going to be in Vegas in Nevada, and you're just going to go over to Cleveland, Kamanzi? I am speaking at the Reader's Legacy <laughs> Writers Conference in Vegas on June 4th through the 7th. However, they are flying me in on June 2nd. So June 3rd, I thought I might go hang out with Travis and my friend Mike Alder. We'll give him a shout out to Mike Alder, who lives in Ohio. Also, my wife's 
grandparents live there as well. So that's the oh, wow. main reason. The Taylor Swift concert is just kind of like a secondary thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly, clearly. You're flying from Nevada to Cleveland for basically a night. Yeah, now I've heard of yep. people flying to Vegas because they want to go to Vegas, but rarely does someone fly into Cleveland to come to Cleveland. Well, hey, think about this, Jared. I'm doing this for the show because after that, I can tell you what the best live concert I've ever been to is. (laughs) (laughs) I am eager to hear about your experience. For nothing else, it'll be good content for the show. So now that we've uh, detoured completely. So Travis, um, you are a financial expert. You did it for nearly 10 years and I can vouch for your advice. Could you tell us what's your favorite financial product? Yeah, I think I'll geek out on you guys here for a minute, but my favorite financial product's got to be a Roth IRA. A Roth IRA is just so powerful because you're able to put your money into this account and different investments, it could be stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever, and allow that to grow. And all the interest, the compounding interest, the growth, when you retire, all that is tax-free money. So let's put it in perspective. is If you're 30 and you start investing just $5,000 a year for the next 30 years and assume like a 7% interest rate, you'll have about a half a million dollars in that account tax-free. So you have never have to pay taxes on that money again. So definitely a Roth IRA is my favorite financial product. So Travis, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because sure. for years I was, we were living paycheck to paycheck and we had debt. Retirement, Roth IRA, stuff like that was n- nothing that we were thinking about. What would you say to me or anybody that's in that paycheck to paycheck position? Yeah, that's it's a tough question. And it really depends on each person's, whatever their circumstances are, because some people work for a corporation. So even if you're in debt and you work for a corporation, let's say that corporation has a 401k that matches. So for maybe for every dollar you put in, they'll put in 50 cents or maybe match it a dollar up to like 5% of your income. I always suggest you try to put away at least two to 3%, even if you're in debt, because that match is so powerful. Other than that, I would have to say, pay off the debt first and then start investing. But you got to take advantage of a 401k match. You just have to. All right. So, Travis, I know for a fact that you just recently wrote an article and it's involving Dave Ramsey. So this is a, another little detour, but I just want to hear about this. You're giving <laughs> you have strong opinions on some of the advice that Dave Ramsey gives. Uh, Dave's helped a lot of people get out of debt. Some of the other advice he gives after that is uh, may or may not be what uh, you recommend. So let's hear about that. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for Dave Ramsey. And if you're looking to get out of debt, he gives the best advice on that. I'm not an expert on, on how to get out of debt. But as far as his investment advice goes, I don't agree with it. Some of the things that he advises is just to invest in mutual funds. And it's proven that mutual funds are probably one of the more expensive ways to invest. He tells you to invest with just an advisor. And we can get, I could spend all day on this, but there's just, there's a couple different types of advisors that you can use. And the ones that he recommends aren't necessarily the best. I mean, if to get into it, you can use a, an advisor, what's called a broker dealer, or you could use an RIA. and you always want to use an RIA. It stands for Registered Investment Advisor because legally, they have to do what's in your best interest. Advisors at broker-dealers, all they have to do is give you suitable investment advice. So you always want to make sure you use an RIA. And then the other thing is, he doesn't tell you to diversify as much as you should. Most of his money that he even puts on his uh, website is just basically growth stocks. 
And you need to diversify a lot more than that. If you're all in growth stocks and look what happened to what happened in 2001, 2008, both of those years, the growth markets, the growth stocks are what really plummeted. So if you're taking his advice and you're nearing retirement and you've got, say, half a million dollars in your portfolio and you're invested all in growth stocks, because that's what Dave Ramsey says, your portfolio is going to be down like $200,000, $250,000. So you really need to diversify that money. I know you have an opinion on this, Kamazi. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you, you saw it you, just yesterday. The Whatever happened, Wall Street got nervous, whatever, but the markets were down severely yesterday. And all the growth stocks, you know, Apple and, and things that we would typically consider like as good companies, good investments, they were all down yesterday. So, you know, me personally, I've used some of Travis as advice to invest and I've diversified. So even though some growth stocks were down, other parts of my investments were up. <laughs> wow. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Stuff Parents Like. Sure. Would you be willing to tell us about what you're doing over there? Yeah. And my, my website is Stuff Parents Like. It's in its infancy, but it's where I provide information to help parents lead richer and happier lives. And as we just mentioned, I rely on my background from almost a decade as a financial advisor in the banking industry to give some of that information on personal finance. And when I was in the banking industry, I managed about $10 million of people's money. So I feel like I, you know, I was in the trenches. I know what I'm doing on that side of the business. And the happiness side actually came a couple of years ago. My wife had a full-term stillborn and we found out about a week before he was due that he had died. And about 12 to 18 months after that, it was really hard for me and my wife. And I really got on the happiness kick after that and trying to figure out what makes people happy and really got into positive psychology. And that's why I love talking about the subject. Now, my main goal for the site is obviously to help parents be better parents. But I don't think you become a better parent by getting advice that the experts give you. You know, you're not going to get it, be a better parent because of the nurture versus nature argument. Or you're not going to be a better parent because your kid watches less TV than mine. I think the way to be a better parent is to have your life in order, you know, your finances, your health. Make sure you have a job you like because that brings a lot of stress. And actually, there was a study done, and just, I, I forget who wrote the study, but they interviewed thousands of kids. And the number one thing those kids wished for for their parents out of everything they could wish for was that their parents were less stressed and less tired. So if you get all that stuff in order, I mean, automatically, you're just going to be a better parent. And this is kind of a softball here, Travis, but <laughs> how does finances play into the happiness of, of us as parents? Sure. I mean, the, one of the number one reasons for divorce is finances, and it consumes so much of our lives. And I mean, come on, you've been open about it. You're probably less stressed and happier now that you don't have financial problems like you did a few years ago, right? Definitely feel the burden lifted and not having those money fights. Yeah. And I mean, you're probably a better parent because of it. Definitely. What do you think is the problem with most financial plans? Uh, the problem with most financial plans is there isn't one. Most people don't have a financial plan. And when we go through school, we don't learn a, about financial planning and we don't even learn how to balance a checkbook. So we get out into the real world and we're expected to do this all on our own. And it's totally different now than it was for like, say, our grandparents. For our grandparents and even some of our parents, financial plans were done for us. You know, you went to work for a company and they gave you the life insurance. They gave you the retirement account. You had social security when you retired. And so it's totally different now. And you just have to have a plan. So if that means you have, you know, sit down with an advisor, sit down with an advisor. 
but figure out you know how much life insurance you need for your family because that's important and a subject that's often overlooked. Make sure you have a will in place. Make sure you're paying off your debt and then go to investments in retirement and then take a look at paying for your kid's school. But the number one thing you need to do is have a plan. What's one of your better parenting stories? <laughs> oh, I could go on for days. You want good? You want bad? I want both. <laughs> <laughs> I know Kamadzi's got a good one. I say, you know, one of my favorite parenting moments is it actually is happening right now because my son is starting to read and it's so much fun just to watch him, you know, start to get things. And one of the things he's, he did just the other day is he's reading uh, the book. He's reading the Bible. He's got, you know, a kid's version of the Bible and he's reading, you know, about Adam and Eve and how God was there watching them. And he's like, dad, everyone says God's in heaven. Why was God on earth? And he's just nailing me with all kinds of questions. Uh, so that's kind of fun to to watch that. And let's go to the uh, not as good. Oh, man, you can have those pretty much any time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll be honest. One one that I remember, and it still really irritates me that I did this. One of my fun, my son's favorite things is I've got three kids living. And one of his favorite things is for me to just spend a few minutes in his bed at night. And I remember one day I was just kind of in a hurry. And, you know, we usually just sit there and talk. And I was like, you know, I can't talk tonight. I got things to do. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the things that I was going to do weren't that important. And my wife came downstairs about 10 minutes later and she's like, what'd you do to Austin? I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, he was crying because you didn't spend any time with him and he just wanted you to. And I just felt horrible that I, I didn't spend that much that time with him. And I didn't realize how important, you know, those few minutes just one on one were with him. But I make sure now you know, every night I spend a few minutes just talking to him, asking him about his day, and that's just our time. So Travis, you have one thing that you're really known for is you do the Amazon FBA. So for those people that don't know what that is, could you explain what that is and explain how this ties into kind of creating freedom for yourself to to spend the time with your, your wife and your child? Yeah, I do sell on Amazon and selling on Amazon is very similar to selling on eBay or Craigslist. And I think a lot of people had experience with all of that, but it's like on steroids. So selling on Amazon FBA, what I do is I'm called a reseller or retail arbitrage where I find items in stores at a low price and then I sell them on Amazon for a much higher price. And, you know, obviously pocket the difference between what I paid for the product and what Amazon charges me. But the really cool thing about it is, let's say in a given week, I go to a couple stores and I find 50 products. And if you're doing this on eBay, anytime something sells, you've got to go to the post office, package it up and send it to the customer. With Amazon FBA, what I do is I take all those products, package them up, put stickers on them, send them all into Amazon at once. And then Amazon sells all those products to their 105 million different customers that they have. And from there, you know, they inventory it for me. They put it in warehouses. They sell it. They collect payment. And then they do all the customer service as well. I started this, I think, last April after listening to Pat Flynn's podcast, episode number 99. And I just took immediate action and just had a lot of success with it over the last year. And in the first 11 months, I had about $100,000 in sales and about 30 to 35% of that is profit to my bottom line. Nice. Have you had to buy, have you bought like a really embarrassing item? Like you were at the register and you have like a, just a really embarrassing item. No, but it is weird. You know, there's two weird things to it. One is, you know, I'm taking my phone and 
you can get an app called Profit Bandit, which pretty much tells you what's profitable. It'll tell you, you know, what's really going to sell, how much money I'll make off of each product. So it is a little weird. I'm just going through the toy aisle by myself, looking like I'm taking pictures of all these products. Or another weird thing is like, I buy a lot of food because you can resell food on Amazon. So sometimes I'll have like 50 boxes of K-cup coffees. And every time you're you're checking out of the the register, they always have a comment for you. Like, ooh, you must really like coffee. (laughs) Yeah, I can't get enough of it. So that, nothing really embarrassing, but it is weird when you're taking up all these products to the register to buy. I was hoping you were buying like lipstick or something. Oh, you know, I, <laughs> I have bought lipstick. <laughs> well, uh, and I asked because a mutual friend of ours had purchased a, well, he purchased a feminine item. We'll leave it at that. And <laughs> he had it in bulk and he had a picture of himself at the register and it was just, and he put out a Facebook <laughs> if I ever have something like that, I'll make sure I uh, take a selfie and post it. This, yeah, this picture. Ignore this picture and just read the political comment above. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. So, one question I would have is: There's so much advice out there about fulfillment by Amazon. And for someone who's interested in starting that, where would you even begin to know what's the legit way to start this? And what's a realistic expectation for someone who's interested in getting into that? Yeah, it's a great question. Now, I got started just really by listening to Pat Blend's episode number 99. And Jessica LaRue does a great job teaching people how to sell on Amazon. That's who Pat interviewed. You can start there. You can go to my website, Stuff Parents Like, and I've got a video course on it as well. There's also another gentleman named Jordan Malik that teaches and he's got his own podcast, but they're all, I mean, all of them are are great resources. And I would start with one of those to get started. As far as realistic expectations, I think what you really need is three to $500 to start on Amazon. And a lot of times if you're patient, you know, you can find items that'll make you a hundred percent profit. So you'll, you know, if you find, you can find something that costs $10 and you'll not only make $10, but you also get $10 in profit. So if you're patient at the beginning and you can find items like that, you can easily double that money within 60 days and then just keep reinvesting. And that's what I did for the first three or four months is I just kept reinvesting. And I got lucky when I first started because I started with $75. This whole business that I made over $30,000 with over the last 12 months started with 75 bucks because I was nervous to start. And I I assume most people are too, because you you buy these products, you put cash out, and then you send it to Amazon and you're like, is it going to sell? But I had found some board games for $12 a piece and I bought like five or six of them. They sold for Amazon for about $65 a piece. When I sent them in, they sold within a week. And I actually called the toy store because the toy store is going out of business. I was like, do you guys have any more of these left? And they had 25 left. So I was like, all right, put them on hold. I'll buy the rest of them. And then from there, I just used that money to reinvest in the business. So this is could be potentially a good side business for parents. Yeah, I think it's a great side business for parents, you know, for stay-at-home moms or dads that want to bring in a little extra income. I think you can easily make 500 bucks a month and not have a lot of work. Even for people that have full-time jobs like I do, you can find the time to go out there and search stores to create, you know, a viable side business. $30,000 is, you know, that's a good chunk of change. It's a full-time job for a lot of people. So I know you've told us the good, but I would be thinking if I was listening to the, not the bad, what are some of the obstacles? 
yeah, the beginning for me was an absolute nightmare because I wanted to, I figured out everything on my own. So, you know, the first month was great. I had the games. Second month, I think I made like 200 bucks. And then it just started, then I started gaining momentum. And some of the things that I didn't realize at the beginning were, you know, I don't know why I never thought of this, but you could send in items and the customers can return them. And then you're stuck, you know, you're out the money. So that can happen. Even though you buy a product and you think it's a good, you think it's a wise investment, you think it's a good decision, it may not sell as quick as you thought it was going to sell. And it may sit in Amazon's inventory for six months. I mean, those are really the, the two biggies that would concern most people. So Travis, how are you able to determine what's a good thing to purchase and sell versus, you know, what's a waste of your time? Yeah, I have an app on my phone called Profit Bandit that I use. Costs 10 bucks a month, I think. And what this app does is it queries Amazon. So if I'm in a store and let's say I scan a toy and I just scan the barcode using the phone, you know, the, the app uses my camera on the phone and I scan that barcode and then Amazon pulls it or Profit Bandit pulls it up from Amazon. It'll give me a ranking. And toys, you know, there's well over a million different toys that Amazon has. So if that ranking's under 100,000 in toys, in the top 10%, typically I know that's going to be a pretty good seller and sell within 45 days or so. And additionally, I can put into Profit Bandit how much I'm going to pay for it and how much it's going to sell for right now as of today and determine my profit on that. How much time are you spending like packaging and shipping stuff? Actually, I've just streamlined that. So I just learned a whole bunch of different things in the last couple of months. And it usually takes me about three hours to package items. But that's usually having between 150 and 200 items that I have to put into my inventory. Then I have labels that I put on the products, put them all in boxes and ship them out using through UPS. And then Amazon also allows you to use their UPS discounts. So most of the time, to send stuff out, it only costs about $30. Oh, that's not too bad. No. And it's taking you about three hours to box it up to their specifications and label it and... Exactly. So on and so forth. Yeah, but if you're, okay. if you're not... You know, I've, I've scaled it probably more than I should have. So I'm doing a lot of sourcing, a lot of package. And if you're only sending in 20, 25 items a week, it's probably only going to take you an hour and a half. But to your point, it, it may be... You may need to have more items to make more money, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the way it works. And when I started, I started sending in 20 items a week and then it went to 40 and then it went to 60 and it just kept going up and up and up. And so you do get, wow. you can't get addicted to it. So that's my warning. But it's working. It is. You're, you're profiting from it and it's not killing all your time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, are you going to teach your kids how to do this? And that'll be like their job <laughs> growing up. <laughs> <laughs> my son is getting it because he'll, you know, I'll bring stuff home. And I think during Christmas, they thought I was Santa Claus because I had so many toys that I was sending out. But my son... He had got some money, I think, from his grandfather. He's like, and he wanted to buy something and he needed more money. He's like, Dad, why don't we just go buy some stuff and sell it on Amazon and then I can get more money? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's catching on. But he wants me to do all the work for him. So he's, he's also oh, smart. Yeah. <laughs> so Travis, how parents on stuff parents like, how do they respond to all the Amazon stuff? How do they respond to all the financial stuff? Is, do you see anybody doing the things that you talk about? Yeah, I, I've, I will have a Udemy course and that I you can find on my site. And I've had a lot of people take that course and a lot of good feedback from the course. A lot of people have taken action and are making $500,000, $1,200 a month. So yeah, I, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. As far as the f- finance stuff, I've always gotten good feedback on, on what I talk about on the financial side of things. 
So for somebody listening to this, that's kind of like their head spinning a little bit. <laughs> sure. We talked about a, a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. So let's say somebody is paying down debt. They're getting to the point where they're getting to the end of the debt. Like, What are just some basic things they can think about as far as investments and finances in the future? Yeah, I think for that, you look at index funds. Index funds are the best way to invest because it's low cost. I mean, you can get like an S&P 500 index fund or an international index fund. And I always suggest reading Tony Robbins' book, Money Master the Game. It's about 600 pages. But if you could read that and get through it, you're going to know more than 97% of the people out there. So that's where I would start if you know, you're getting out of debt and you're looking to invest. Read his book, have some knowledge, and don't just rely on an advisor. Because it's, at the end of the day, it's still your money. So you, gotta, you want to make sure that your money is being put in the right places for you. Well, Kamanzi, I think we should ask Travis this important question, and that is, who is doing something that interests you? You know, one of the, well, obviously, you guys. And cheesy. <laughs> I know, it's cheesy, but you know, I just no, took the no. course, Stop Chasing Influencers, and I'd recommend it to anybody. You guys didn't pay me for that, and I learned a lot from you guys. I also like what Nick Loper's doing over at Side Hustle Nation. He, mm-hmm. in his podcast, he doesn't interview, you know, all the A-listers. He finds people that are just like me, to have full-time jobs and are doing side hustles or had full-time jobs, turn their side hustles into full-time careers. And I think what he's doing over there is just helping so many people and he's doing a great job at it. Jared, have you had him on the show? We need to. <laughs> yeah. Set that up for us, Travis. <laughs> All right. Travis. So for anybody that's listened to this and they've gotten value and they want to connect with you, where is the best place for the listeners to stay connected with you online? At Stuff Parents Like on my Twitter account. It's uh, Stuff Parents Like with one F. Name was too long to get two F's in there. So S-T-U-F, parents like. <laughs> and okay, so Travis, there's some people who are like, hey, I need to check out this Amazon thing because this is new to me. Uh, you do have a class that you teach online about that. So how can they find out about that? I just go to my website and then under uh, stuffparentslike.com and just click under products and it'll take you right to that course. Okay, that's good stuff. All right, so do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, the final thoughts I have, just take risks. I had tried different things for a a long time. So try different things, take some risks. Eventually, if you work hard, something's going to pan out for you that you really enjoy doing. And that's a good point, dude. Travis, I really appreciate this. And and one thing I want to point out real quick is is you pointing out the story of you and your wife and how you went through that tragedy Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of the lessons that you've learned and how you've been able to navigate that. And dude, I just want to thank you for sharing that because I know there's a lot of people out there that go through challenging situations and to see how you are working through that and doing some pretty cool things. I know that's encouraging. So thank you. Yeah, Travis. thanks. I appreciate that. Kamanzi, do you have any final thoughts? It's a lot of stuff to take in. Finances are something that my grandfather always said, let's talk about the money now because it's the most uncomfortable topic. It's just an uncomfortable topic. So I know when you hear this, it might be a little frustrating at first or your head might be spinning. But come back to this, listen to this episode over again. Start thinking about what you want to do for your future and your finances. If the FBA stuff interests you, I mean, there's a lot of information out there. But just in general, don't shy away from things that make you uncomfortable. We have to step out of our comfort zone sometimes. And when we do, that's kind of where cool things start to happen. I mean, that's pretty much my entire story, Jared and Travis, is stepping outside of my comfort zone. And I wouldn't be here today talking with you guys if I didn't do that. Good well, stuff. It is good stuff. So it's stuffparentslike.com. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Travis, thanks again. Thank man. you, guys. I really appreciate it. Show. 
know, you're not going to get be a better parent because of the nurture versus nature argument, or you're not going to be a better parent because your kid watches less TV than mine. I think the way to be a better parent is to have your life in order, you know, your finances, your health, make sure you have a job you like because that brings a lot of stress. So if you get all that stuff in order, I mean, automatically you're just going to be a better parent.